Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you're here today. Over the past few weeks, we have been in a series called Missio Day, and we're leading up to our Miracle Offering Sunday uh, next Sunday, where, again, our goal is to raise $100,000 for the glory of God. Missio Day is a Latin term that means mission of God. In the first week in this series, we looked at how God is the main character and the hero of the mission of God, and he has been on mission from the beginning. The God of the universe extends an invitation for us to join him on mission. Last week, we talked about how one of the ways that we join him on mission is through evangelism. He extends this invitation for us to demonstrate that the gospel works and also to proclaim that the gospel works. Our lives demonstrate that God is still on mission and reconciling people to him. It demonstrates that he's taken our lives and rescued us out of the pit of hell and set our feet on solid ground. He has saved us and forgiven us. In addition, we get to use our mouths to proclaim the mission of God. If you've missed any of these messages, I would encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com. Find us on YouTube or Facebook or take a listen on Spotify. This week, I want to talk about how God has given us an invitation to help fund the mission of God to help fund the mission of God. We exist as a church to inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to God, to grow in their relationship with him and go tell the world the good news. We believe that these are the marching orders that God has not only given to our church, but he's given to the church. And so last month was Pastor Appreciation Month. Do you know what like, would be one of the greatest Pastor Appreciation gifts that you could ever give to any of the pastors here on our team, including me? For you to walk up and to tell me without reading it off of the website what our mission is as a church, like why we exist and why we gather. And so for, so for some of you, even if you just said, Pastor, give, grow, go, I'm gonna be like, yeah, that's amazing. Like you got it. And then if you were to fill in the blanks of, oh, we exist as a church to inspire people to give their whole lives to God, to grow in their relationship with him and go tell the world the good news. Y'all, I'm just telling you, if instead of telling me to have a good week at the end of this service today, when I'm standing out in the hallway, if you were able to quote that to me, I would be like, oh, that's amazing. Like when we all understand why we gather, what the purpose is, we're on mission with God. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven to learn more about God. He gives us an invitation to grow in our knowledge and love of him here. As we talk about the mission of God, God's desire is that none would perish and spend an eternity in hell, but that all would come to everlasting life and spend an eternity with him. We spend time in prayer, reading our Bibles. We grow in our knowledge of in small groups of studying the Bible together and worshiping at church. This past week in our board meeting, we were celebrating wins. And as we're talking about worship, Clint Wickham said to me, I gotta celebrate a win. He said, this past Wednesday night, I was in the youth service and I was standing in the midst of all of the teenagers and they're singing at the top of their lungs so loudly, unashamedly praising and worshiping the King of Kings. 
kings and the Lord of lords. And I just love it as we look at the next generation to see that Pastor Madison is leading a team of 30 adults who are training and equipping these men and women of God to become God-fearing, God-honoring, God-serving, God-worshiping. Come on, let's give God praise for what he's doing in the next generation. It's awesome. Even during worship this morning, what a powerful, powerful worship. Thank you, Pastor Levinsky and team. As we're growing in our relationship with him, then out of that overflow, we get to go tell the world the good news. We're able to go to the places where we have influence. And so for some of you, that would be with your network of friends or at school or coworkers or family members or teammates or neighbors. And we get to go tell them the good news of the gospel. For around 40 people this year, they got to go on uh, Kingdom Builders trips to Alaska and El Salvador and Bangladesh. It was an exciting opportunity for our church to take this mission, to take the gospel outside of our community. But God's given us a, a call to, uh, to share his mission, to share his gospel around the world, and we can't be everywhere all the time. In that case, we can fund others to be where we can't. And one way that we accomplish that is through kingdom builders. I had this thought this week in preparation of this message that as I think about our church mission statement, the first part says to inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to God. This word inspire is so, uh, so strong and, and I don't just want you to give your whole life to God, I want you to want to give your whole life to God. During worship this morning, Pastor Levinsky talked about how he, in, in that moment at the church, he, he, does, he wanted to worship, the, worship God the way that he wanted to worship God. Erica looks over at me because she reads through the messages each week and checks for grammatical uh, errors and then gives any input that she might have. And, and so she looks at me during first service and she said, had Pastor Levinsky read your message? Because he's, you know, even in what he's saying, like, I don't just want you to lift up your hands and worship. I want you to want to lift up your hands and worship. I don't just want you to sing at the top of your lungs. I want you to want to sing at the top of your lungs. As a pastor, like, I don't just want you to grow in your relationship with God. I want you to grow, want to grow in your relationship with God. I don't just want you to read your Bible. I want you to want to read your Bible. I don't just want you to pray. I want you to want to pray. I don't just want you to come to church. I want you to want to come to church. I don't just want you to, uh, to do all of these things. Instead, I want you to want to do them. The final line says, go tell the world the good news. I don't just want you to tell everyone everywhere about Jesus. I want you to want to tell everyone everywhere about Jesus. I don't just want you to tithe and give to kingdom builders to fund the mission of God. I want you to want to tithe and give to kingdom builders to fund the mission of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like... The first part of each of those statements addresses external behaviors, but the second part of that addresses the heart. And how many know that that's what God is concerned with? God's concerned with our heart because he knows that when our heart has been transformed, when our heart has been set free, then the external behaviors will come into alignment. I read a book when my kids were younger. I don't remember what the title of the book was called, but it talked about parenting the heart of your child. 
And it said that if as a parent, all you do is parent for behavioral modifications, then when, when they grow up and greater temptations come their way, since their heart hasn't been transformed, they're more likely to succumb to those temptations. And sometimes as a parent, mine are, are grown now, but when my kids were younger, it's so much easier. Like for the love of Pete, could you please just do this or not do that? And, and you're like, I don't care where their heart's at, just if they would you know, like just whatever that is, just for a moment, have some peace in our house. But when we parent for the heart, then when greater temptations come in life because the heart's been transformed, because the heart's been set free, then it doesn't desire the wickedness of the world. God is concerned with our hearts. External behaviors are important, but they should be a fruit of a heart that's been fully surrendered to God and has been transformed. As we process these different areas of the mission, I wonder this morning, are there areas of the mission for you that you're like, yeah, I I don't wanna do that. I don't want to surrender all of me to God. I don't want to grow in my relationship with him by going to church, by reading my Bible, by praying. I don't want to go tell the good news or tithe or give to kingdom builders to fund others telling the good news. And if that's you, I would say, why, why wouldn't you? I would propose to you that if the answer was yes, that there are some of those things that you don't wanna do, I would propose to you that there's a stronghold in your life that needs to be broken. And the good news this morning is we serve a God who wants to break strongholds. We serve a God who wants to set people free. And so I pray this morning over every area of your life and any area where there's a stronghold that it would be broken in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter six, we read Jesus' sermon on the mount in verses 19 through 24. In his sermon, Jesus takes a moment to talk about money. I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles there to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, again, begin reading in verse number 19. You can scroll there on your digital devices. It's also going to appear on the screen. And here's what it says. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense the demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive, and our minds to to understand what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you ever had a beanie baby? Would you just lift up your hands? Okay. Uh, How many of you thought that your beanie baby was going to make you rich? Let me see those hands. Okay. Yeah, your beanie baby was gonna make you rich. And it might seem ridiculous now, but many people purchased lots of beanie babies in the belief that this collectible plush toy was only going to increase in value over time. Due to smart marketing and selective production, adults purchased Beanie Babies in the 90s with the express purpose of later in life reselling them for thousands. 
By the end of the 90s, the fad had faded, and today the supposedly valuable toys are fairly worthless. This, my friends, is a picture of what Jesus is talking about when he says not to store up for your treasures, store up your treasures here on earth where uh, are stored up with meaningless junk. Instead, store up our treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust can destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. You think these things will provide for you in the future, but they won't support you or give you the life you want. And Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Again, where moth and rust will destroy or thieves can break in and steal. Instead, lay them up in heaven. I was talking to our son this week and uh, just about the value of things. And I told him, I said, son, every one of my material possessions and every last dollar could be taken from me and I would still be one of the richest men on the planet. I said, because I serve a God who loves me, I have a wife and kids who love God and love me, what more could I ask for? Y'all, these are treasures that moth and rust will not destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. And this is what Jesus is telling us to do, to lay up our treasures in heaven. To be honest with you, we don't know exactly what Jesus is saying in this passage of laying up treasures in heaven, but it would mean to do anything on earth whose effects last for eternity. And one of the, way that we, one of the ways that we store up treasures in heaven is to obediently and generously fund the mission of God. We talk about two categories of stewardship or giving here each week. Each Sunday during the offering moment, I say these words, thank you for your faithfulness to tithe and for your generosity in giving to kingdom builders. And the reason why I say it this way is because the Bible talks about this word tithe in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the word tithe has a specific meaning. It represents a fixed number and that fixed number is 10%. So at church, when we talk about our tithe, we're talking about uh, bringing or returning 10% of our income to God in obedient giving. Scripture actually commands us to to not just bring 10% of our income, but to bring the first and the best 10% of our income. For farmers in biblical days, they would look at which part of their property would yield the greatest uh, yields uh, for their crops and they would select those uh, 10% of their farm that yields the highest amount, they would go farm that 10%. And then they would stop and they would take that crop into the storehouse. Then they would go back out to the 90% of their fields and continue harvesting and trust God that he would bless them with the 90% that's, that's left and that God could do more with that 90% than had they not given uh, 10%. We never give to get. I'll tell you that I've never preached that you should tithe or that you should give generously in order that God might bestow some kind of special blessing onto you. It's horrible motivation to, to obediently give, to, to obediently uh, bring your tithe and to give above and beyond to kingdom builders. And so I never have and I never will tell you that you should do this so that this may happen to you. But I will tell you that God blesses those who are obedient to him. Last Sunday after church, a lady came up to me and she had no idea that I would be talking about this week, talking about this this week. And she said, Pastor, our uh, finances have really been a struggle recently. And, uh, and she said, I wondered, should I tithe? Should I not tithe? 
and she said, I wrote the check last week and I tithe. And this week I received a notice that I would be receiving a check for $7,000. Y'all, I don't know about you, but I never receive a check for $7,000. Like it doesn't just happen. And so that lady didn't tithe in in expectation that maybe God would exceed her wildest imaginations and somehow bless her with an unexpected check for $7,000. But again, God loves and he takes care of his kids. He's faithful and he extends an invitation for each of us to be faithful in our obedient giving. Even as we talk about tithing, I, I just wanna say this, like I don't want your money and God doesn't need your money. We go back to what we talked about earlier. God wants your heart. And if you're not currently funding the mission of God, I would ask that you would ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart and help break that stronghold. The next layer of giving after tithing is generous giving. This is above the tithe giving. This is where uh, we give to kingdom builders, where we believe all of us partnering together through our above the tithe giving can accomplish more than what we could do on our own. And so through this, we fund global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. When strongholds are broken in your life and you begin to follow the Lord in obedience in your life, in every area, including finances, there is a joy that comes with it. When you take the next step and step into the calling that God has for every believer to be generous, there is joy that comes with it. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want to, or you can write it down, read it later. It's also going to be up here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it's written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For this ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contributions for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. In verse number seven, Paul writes that each one must, uh, has decided, must give what he has decided in his own heart. In this passage, Paul isn't talking about tithing. Like he's not saying, hey, can we now reduce the bare minimum of what followers of Jesus should do and instead just give what we've purposed in our heart to do? You say, how do you know he's not talking about tithing? Well, for a couple of reasons, the language that's used there, like we, we don't get to, uh, to give our tithe, instead we bring our tithe. The, the word of God says it this way in Leviticus chapter 27, verse number 30, it says, every tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. We don't get to give our tithe. We get to return the tithe. It was the Lord's all along. 
In addition to that, Paul is not talking about tithing in this passage. He's, he's saying he's talking about funding a, a missionary church planting journey in which he writes, one must give as he has decided in his heart. When it comes to generous giving, we get to pray and ask the Lord, God, what would you have me give above the tithe? He continues in this verse, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Say that with me, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now what I want you to do is say it with a smile on your face. For God loves a cheerful giver. I love it. For God loves a cheerful giver. We see instructions on tithing and generous giving. We see this additional caveat that it's not just about the act, it's about the heart. God loves a cheerful giver. Generosity is easily defined, but it's not so easily lived out because it requires sacrifice. We're instructed to be cheerfully generous, that God loves a cheerful giver. And again, it's not about the external act. It's, it's when we say, God, not only am I going to tithe, God, not only am I gonna give above and beyond that to kingdom builders, but I want to do it. I wanna do this. And as I do it, I do it with joy in my heart. So whether we find ourselves naturally inclined to be generous or maybe uh, some of you find yourself uh, naturally inclined to be perhaps of a bit of a scrooge, we're still called to be generous. In the same way that those who are naturally impatient are called to be patient. Right, Those who are naturally angry are called to be peacemakers in the same way we're called to be like God who does more than we could ever ask or think. Paul multiple times in this passage that we just read said that their generosity resulted in praise and thanksgiving to God. I want us to go back to the passage in Matthew chapter six this morning where we started. Where verse number 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are you storing up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal? Jesus continues in verse number 22. He says that the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The eye is the window to the soul. And Jesus is talking about money in this illustration. He says, if your eye is good, if your eye is healthy, there would be this financial nuance in the original Greek language that would have this meaning of good and healthy, being generous and open-hearted and warm. The same image he continues with, if the eye is bad, this would have the meaning of miserly. And Jesus is developing this theme and this illustration about money. And it's not only is it important for us to have our treasure in the right place, it's also important for us to approach the topic of money from a generous and an open-hearted position. And Jesus, knowing the power of money, in verse number 24 says, no one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Trying to serve God and money is impossible. They're like rival affections. The ancients said of money that it's like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. 
One of the commentaries said this about this passage. It says, Jesus is addressing disciples who've already received the salvation of God. It seems rather to refer to such things as these, the development of Christ-like character, since all we can take with us to heaven is ourselves. The increase of faith, hope, and charity, all of which Paul said abide. Growth in the knowledge of Christ, whom one day we shall see face to face. The active endeavor by prayer and witness to introduce others to Christ so that they too may inherit eternal life. And the use of our money for Christian causes, which is the only investment whose dividends are everlasting. I can't think of a better way to spend my life or to spend my money than to introduce others to Jesus and to fund ministries that are doing the same around the world. Making an everlasting impact that moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Paul was addressing the church in Corinth in his letter found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And what he writes in this letter is what I want to describe me personally and our church corporately when it comes to funding the mission of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. And listen to verse number four. He says, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. He writes that they gave according to their means and even beyond their means of their own accord. In verse number four, he says, they were begging to be a part of it. Can you imagine the number of ministries that we could fund the number of lives that could be impacted around the world if the Lord would get a hold of all of our hearts like this, where we would be begging to give to kingdom builders. We would be begging to fund all of the different projects that we have in kingdom builders. How exciting and humbling that God has extended an invitation for us to be on mission with him, to be active participants and funders of his mission. God's not asked us to be something that he's not. God is an incredibly generous God. And so God is not one who has all of the resources withholding all of that from you and expecting you to do something different than what he's willing to do himself. God, in his love for us, gave his only son to suffer a gruesome death on a cross so that we could have forgiveness of sin so that we could spend an eternity with him in a place that he has so lavishly and generously gone to prepare a place for us. And he gives us this invitation to have a similarly generous heart, to fund his mission so that others would have the same eternity. And I get this morning that maybe there are some of you who like, this message already rubs you because you think pastors shouldn't talk about money. You think that we should look at the passages where Jesus talks about money or other scriptures in the Bible and not talk about it. But in the very passage that we read this morning, Jesus talked about it. And I believe one of the reasons 
why money is talked about so much in scripture and why Jesus addressed it is because it creates such a stronghold in the hearts of people. Think about the number of friends that you have who are divorced today and one primary reason that they would state would be because of money. It's a heart issue. And Jesus gives us the invitation to let that stronghold be broken, to bring our tithe and obedient giving, to give above and beyond to kingdom builders, to something outside of ourselves. That whether in our poverty or whether in our wealth, that we would give according to our means and that through it, that God would be glorified. And this morning, God has extended an invitation to generously take the weight of sin off of your life, to forgive you of your sins this morning and for that burden to be lifted and for you to walk in forgiveness and wholeness. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. And you say, today, I don't wanna wait another moment. I wanna become a follower of him. I want the weight of sin lifted off of me. I wanna be forgiven by him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. You say, today, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. One, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Two, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all stand. There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raised your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior, be my king. Take over every area, take over every aspect and help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. Thank you, God. If you raise your hand, I'm gonna ask that you would do a couple of things. One is that you would look to the person at your left or your right or the person who invited you here today and let them know of the decision that you've made so that they can encourage you in this in the journey that God's gonna take you on. In addition, in just a moment, the worship team's gonna lead us in another song. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. The prayer team's gonna make their way in just a moment to both sides of the stage. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. In addition, if you raised up your hand uh, this morning, you prayed that prayer, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer and let somebody just encourage you and bless you in this decision that you've made today. Well, I'm gonna pray over us.
Then the worship team is going to lead us in this song. And again, if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat. God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that your ways are higher than our ways, that your thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so this morning, as we talk about this sensitive subject of money, and the power that it has over people's hearts. Lord, I pray for everyone listening to this message in person or online today where money has been a stronghold. Lord, where they've not uh, helped in funding your mission and tithing or giving above and beyond to kingdom builders, that today that that stronghold would be loosed and lifted in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those who uh, who have not been generous, but they step out in generosity with a cheerful heart, God, I pray that joy would flood each and every single person's hearts that do that. Lord, as we think of other areas of of lives where strongholds exist, God, we thank you that you are above and more powerful than all of them. And so I pray in the mighty name of Jesus this morning that you would loose all strongholds in this place. Lord, that people would walk out of here completely set free. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.